Good morning. Will everyone please stand with me in honor of God's word? Today we're reading from Acts 3, 1 through 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the aftertime of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. Let us never run out of wonder and amazement of who you are. Guide us with your wisdom and give us the grace to love others the way you do. Grant us open eyes and an undying faith to believe and see that your miracles still happen every day. Thank you for your word and the privilege we have to come and worship you and to learn more of who you are. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I had to make sure this time that I brought my soul rag because us Filipinos sweat a lot. So I made sure I brought that this morning. Can you think with me for just a second? Can you think with me if there was ever a time or the last time the Holy Spirit took you on an adventure and you had no idea where you were going? Or what was going to happen? (laughs) What I'm learning in my walk with the Lord is that that adventure that he takes me on is typically to the same places and spaces that I walk through in a daily routine. So I know what you're probably thinking, Jacob, how on earth could you go on an adventure and yet at the same time not really go on an adventure? That's a good question. It's a fair question. Let me answer it by sharing with you a quick, small story. During the month of February, there was a movement known as Awaken Nashville. Now, what Awaken Nashville was, was during the month of February, there were hundreds of congregations that were getting together in our city, dedicating that month to pray and fast in Jesus' name so that our neighbors and their neighbors would be saved by our Jesus. That, that was something that was just so remarkable to me. In fact, I ended, up, I ended up having this conversation with the Lord. Who am I that you think of me, Lord, that I show up in these movements? And one of the things that the Lord tasked me with was mobilizing Trevecca Nazarene University. Now, the students at Trevecca Nazarene University, what they were called to do was just to support each other be encouraged, and be empowered to be the ministers on Trevecca's campus. Now, let me go ahead and take a small, quick moment to say, 
Our college students in the city of Nashville are not only awesome, they are seeking the face of Jesus. It has just been so remarkable to learn from them that revival isn't sparked by big platforms and all the lights, but rather revival is sparked by bended knee in prayer and genuine friendships. That's what I'm learning from our college students. Some of our Trebekah students, shout out to my guy, Ben Griggs, who's right up in the front. Uh, they were having intentional conversations with other college students on Trebekah, uh, across Lipscomb, and across the street to different campuses. They were having intentional conversations, sharing their story of how Jesus impacted their life. And to this day, although it might be May, I am still encouraged by that. My soul is still encouraged by that. Now, personally, uh, during that month, the Holy Spirit was doing something with my eyes. You see, <laughs> you see that I live on Trevecca's campus. I walk around a lot. I see it a lot of the same places and spaces and people. But I saw people without actually seeing them. It was during that month of Awakened Nashville, it was during that month of devoted prayer that the Holy Spirit began to teach me not only how to see people, but where to see people. I began to walk around Trevecca's campus in February and across the last several months, really seeing people, looking them in the eyes. And to me, that was an adventure. I might not have been in any new places and spaces, but what I can tell you the Holy Spirit gave me new, fresh eyes to see, not moving blobs in the peripheral of my eyes, but real people who are created by a real God who really, really loves them with such a deep, real love. Now, it wasn't any righteous prayer that I prayed that the Holy Spirit did this. I want to be quick to tell you, I did no righteous acts for the Holy Spirit to do that. But rather, God is so rich in mercy that coming into his presence, he did that. And he did that for me. So when I, when I got to get to this book and get to this story and I read these verses, I'm just like, oh boy, this is going to be fun. This text is really fun. So before we actually go through those 10 verses, I want to talk about how we got here. Last week, David was going through um, Acts chapter 1, where we see that Jesus tells his disciples, his apprentices, his followers, that they would be his witnesses. That when they receive the power of the Holy Spirit, they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right after that, we see Jesus ascend into heaven. Verses later, we see in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falling on the, these disciples. And I'll be honest, man, Peter preaches probably the best off-the-cuff sermon that has ever, really ever happened. And that's only because he was filled by this Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people were saved. That is awesome. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool that 3,000 people were saved. Now, right after that event and right before the 10 verses that were read to us this morning, there is something that the author of Acts, Luke, wants us to see. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, there's something he wants us to see. Verse 42. 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now, church, did you catch it? Did you catch that word that was at the very beginning of verse 42? What was the thing that made what reading scripture to the fellowship, being in community, breaking of bread into prayer? Do you see the difference that, that made the difference? The word devoted. They were devoted to community. They were devoted to the teachings. They were devoted to prayer. And that's how we start Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John are devoted in prayer. Now, as we see in verse 1, they're going up to the temple to afternoon prayer. That wasn't an out-of-the-norm thing. That wasn't something that was just, whoa, they're going to the temple to pray? Whoa, whoa, whoa. They're still really good Jews, and they're still practicing Jewish traditions. So they went to to the temple weekly, for afternoon prayer. Now, one of the things that would have happened as they go to pray in the afternoon is that they would have read Psalm 145. Interesting. And Psalm 145 starts with the first seven verses that says this. I exalt you, my God, the King, and bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. The Lord is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and your glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts. And I will declare your greatness. They will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. So they would have recited that text. And then right afterwards, they would have made petitions of mercy where they would have talked about the Lord's name. Now, what's so interesting about this text, though, about this day, was that this was no out-of-the-norm day. This day was different. This day, they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you about this man. The, the text says that this man had been carried and had been placed at the gate of the temple each day. So church, let's, let's think about this. Each day, that's every day, I guess. Every day, he was placed at the gate of the temple. Now, before Peter and John were filled with the Holy Spirit, because they're really good Jews and because they practice Jewish tradition, they would have passed by this man to go practice an afternoon prayer, to go be in the presence of God. They would have probably saw this man without actually seeing him. Now let me tell you more about this man. This man was lame. This man 
was not only placed at the gate of the temple so that he could beg. This man was placed as far as the gate of the temple because people with disability, people who are lame, you're not allowed to enter through the gate. You're not allowed to go into the temple. So each time as he came, uh, as he came and was placed at the gate and had to beg, he was constantly, consistently reminded that I'm not worthy enough. I'm not wanted enough. I'm not chosen enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not loved enough. And people that were coming out of the gate, what a, what a bad, beat up, broken man. He is a loser. He is a lost cause. He's lame. This is the this is the reality in which this man would have lived. Now, what you and I both know that something was about to happen. This was no normal day. This day was different. Two ordinary men were about to come up to him. Not to offer money, but to offer something precious. This man's life was changed when two men of Jesus came up to him. The two things that we need to know already from this scene, and what's so crazy so far coming to this point when Peter and John come up to this man is this. The first thing is the path that devoted prayer takes you on is not around broken people, but straight through and to them. That's the path where devoted prayer takes you to. And number two, the Holy Spirit causes you to see people that you did not see before without his presence and his power. You could not see him without the Holy Spirit. I love this part of the story, so why don't you read it with me? Here it is. Join me in reading this. Verse four. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once his feet had, his ankles became strong. So he jumped. Yes, I just jumped on the platform. He jumped and started to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. I just love this, this, this part. You see, not only did Peter and John look at the man, but the man was asked to look at Peter and John. Now I'm wondering, as Peter and John are walking uh, to the temple, I'm wondering what kind of conversation they were having with the Holy Spirit. Peter, John, I see that man over there. I see him. He might be broken, but I'm in the business of making beauty out of brokenness. Go see him. Go tell him about the name of Jesus. Go tell him about Jesus. I have compassion for him. He's one of my lost kids. 
I wonder if that was the conversation Peter and John was having with, uh, uh, with the Holy Spirit. But not only that, I think about how the man had to look at Peter and John. Now, why is that the case? Well, P- well Peter and John told him to look at them because, man, there's, so many, there's a market in front of me. I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to get silver and gold from you. I'm trying to get this. I, wanna, like, I got an audience. I want to look around. But the reason why Peter and John said, look at us, is more than just that. The reason why Peter and John asked the man to look at him is the same reason why we look at the communion server's face when we hear them say, this is my body, this is his blood. And that is, in the name of Jesus, there is no shame. There is no fear. There is only adoption and peace. As 2 Corinthians says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the reason why the man had to look at John and Peter was that he was about to receive freedom. He was about to receive freedom. Now, I love the next part. In whose name did they bless? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This wasn't no magic word that they just spoke out. Can you catch the title? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who restores all things, making all things new. But also, he is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Peter and John have been with Jesus in Nazareth. They walked around with him in Nazareth. They knew this Jesus. They hung out with Jesus. This wasn't just some random guy. They knew him. But also, the name Nazareth had a reputation. And as we see in John chapter 1, Nathaniel, a guy in John chapter 1, goes and says, Can anything good come from Nazareth? What is so encouraging about saying Jesus Christ of Nazareth is to encourage and to refresh the man to, because culture constantly kept saying, can anything good come out of you? I see you all the time at the gate. Can anything good come from you? To hear Jesus Christ of Nazareth is to affirm the God who sees broken people and chooses not to leave them that way. What this God decides to do anyway is to hang out with them and love them well. I love what happens next. This man's ankles were immediately healed and he began to walk and enter through to the temple. Now remember what we said in the beginning that The temple was a place where he could not go. So do you see what the real miracle was? It wasn't just that he began to walk and he was no longer lame. The real miracle was that this man had been restored. This man was able to walk through the gate. He was able to walk through the gate into the temple. Now, we always thought that the presence of God was in the temple But truth is, the presence of God was actually outside the gate, hanging out with broken people. And although they were unworthy, by the blood of the cross, they became worthy. 
That was what was so sweet about the presence of God. So many of people going into the temple, they thought, man, I've been in the presence of God because I, I walked into the temple uh, this week. How many times do we walk through these doors, go through our little holy powwow and say, oh man, I've been in the presence of God. That's not it. What's so sweet about the presence of God is that you could not create a worthiness or an achievement for you to be able to walk into that presence. But rather, the presence of God encounters you in your brokenness and says, hey, I'm not going to leave you this way. You're with me. You're with me. He might have been able to enter through the gate, but something that just blows my mind, it just, just blows my mind, is that, yes, he entered through the gate, but I just wonder if Jesus had a conversation with him and said, hey, you know what, man? I don't know his name, but you know what, man? I am the gate. Walk through me. And that man became worthy just because Jesus showed up in his life. Not because he entered through the gate and was just, oh, I'm worthy now. But rather, Jesus showed up in his life, and he got to walk around as a son and as a daughter of the high king. That is the presence of God. That is the presence of God. When I think about this story, how does it play forward? If we continue to uh, verse 11, we see that this man, man, he is leaping and he is jumping and man, he is excited. There's, I mean, if Jesus does something in your life, man, there's a reason to leap around. I know that we're, I know that we're Southern Baptists. I know we're having fun. But listen, the, <laughs> listen, the appropriate response to the resurrection is to dance a little bit. So it's just, it's just a little bit fun to leap around because Jesus has done something in our life. But as we see what plays forward is because of the name of the Lord is proclaimed. Peter has another opportunity to preach a heck of a good sermon. And he tells them that, oh, it wasn't because we prayed any righteous prayers. It isn't because we did any righteous acts. We had nothing to do with what happened with that man. It had everything to do with the powerful and mighty, reverent, precious name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Had everything to do with Jesus' name. Everything to do. And I love how he, how he preaches a sermon about repentance. You see, oh my gosh, this is so good. And repentance, it's not a condemning thing. What we see in verse 19 through 20, actually repentance, it brings deep refreshment. Man, I think about, like, I, again, I mentioned Avengers Endgame. I, I went to the theater to watch Avengers Endgame. That, you know that Coca-Cola commercial that comes up right before the, the, the movie comes? And you have all those bubbles and stuff. I'm like, what? Why? I didn't get a drink this time, but I really want one of those Cokes. Side note. Point is, refreshment. The point is, refreshment. Through repentance, there is refreshment. And not only is there refreshment, oh my gosh, as verse 20 says, I'm not, I'm not just saying this, this is in the work, this is in this book. Verse 20, the seasons of refreshment may come from the presence of the Lord. And from the presence of the Lord, there is restoration. Church, how many of us have just been hungry for refreshment? We've just been going through weeks and weeks and weeks. And like, Man, I just, I just need a pause. But it's not in running away to other places. It's actually knowing the fact the presence of God is running to you. Like a prodigal God who just loves you so 
much. This man's story is awesome. But for a lot of us, that's not our story. Specifically, that's not our story. But the truth is, no matter what your story is, two things, your specific story matters. Not only does it matter, it is stinking awesome and beautiful and great. Why? Because God is at work right now in your story. In your story. Right now. So when I think about us telling our stories, when I think about like college students at Treveca, when I think about Peter and John as they're having these gospel conversations, I love what Jesus is doing in the book of Acts. He says that this new thing that I'm going to be doing through my church is that I'm going to use Peter and John's, I'm going to use ordinary men, ordinary women, just to simply have gospel conversations where they tell about their name, I mean, by, by tell about my name and share their story. Just share your story. Your story matters. Jesus looked at you, looks at you and loves you so much. Your story matters. Don't compare. Don't waste your time comparing yourself to another guy or another girl. Like, that's not my story. I'm not like that. Man, this was a lame man. And he was used. God can use your story. God can use your story. This morning, I, I think about his presence and I think about how rich in mercy he is just to be in this room. He's already been in this room. I think about how merciful he is to use people like us, but personally for me, using a broken person like me to use me. We don't have to. We don't have to know all the verses. We don't have to have all the verses memorized. We don't need to protect Jesus when there's pushback. I mean, even right after this, there are many people who were in awe that Jesus did these things, but there were also people that rejected Jesus and Peter and John were imprisoned. But we don't have to protect this Jesus when there's pushback. We don't have to argue with anyone. We don't argue anyone into the kingdom of God. The best gospel conversation that we could ever have is knowing the fact that Jesus has restored us. A restored life by Jesus is the best gospel conversation that we can have with people. So don't try to be an expert. Be you. Be the son and daughter the Father made you to be. We have a Father who we're able to cry out to, that we can be comforted by. We also have a Holy Spirit. Don't forget that. We have a Holy Spirit who lives in us. Man, this, the very holiness of God lives in us. And we're putting it all on us as if it's our thing, that we got to go save people. Church, before we even entered into this room, the Holy Spirit has been throughout East Nashville, throughout the city, already doing the things behind the scenes. It's not on you. But you have been filled by the Holy Spirit. Where you, can, where you have been received power. And also, you are a part of a body of Christ where Jesus is the head. There is so much encouragement that we have. Church, I wonder if today, 
I wonder if today, not tomorrow, I wonder if today, that if we were devoted to prayer, devoted to this Jesus, I wonder if our eyes would be opened to the man at the gate in our lives. And we looked at him, we looked at her, and said, look at me. Rise in Jesus' name. Maybe we would be the fullness of Christ in Nashville. Maybe. This morning, I wanted to, I actually had a moment this morning as I was making coffee, and I typically, uh, my wife Catherine knows about this, I, I normally leave the coffee grounds in the coffee maker. I know it's such a bad thing. Um, I leave it in the coffee maker sometimes. And this morning, as I recognized that I left it in there, I was just like, man, this stuff is gross. It needs, new coffee needs to be filled in this. So I had to empty out the coffee thing so that there could be new, new room for new, real, functional, something can actually be made with that coffee. So this morning, the thing that came to me is that, church, we need to be emptied. We need to be emptied so that the Holy Spirit can fill us up. We need to be emptied. And the way that we do that is by what those college students, correction, college ministers have been telling me, that we need to get on bended knee and pray, that we would be emptied and that we would be full. So I'm just going to pray really quickly. We're just going to take 120 seconds. And I want you to recognize like this room isn't the presence of God. The presence of God has been with you. Oh my gosh, you can be with the Father. So we're just going to take 120 seconds. You be with the Father, devoted in prayer. Ask him to empty you and to fill you with his spirit. We're going to take 120 seconds. And then Drew and Carly will come back up here. Father, thank you for your sweet presence that we don't deserve. You don't need us, but you want us. Thank you for allowing our stories to be a part of your overarching, overcoming gospel story of redemption and restoration. We love you, Lord.